Hello. Hi. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Hello. Hello. We already said that. Hello. <laughs> I thought about doing like a burr, 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 but I was like, oh, but I always do that. <laughs> it's your trademark now. <gasps> did you see? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Guys, did you see that Steve did a whole like, hi there. I miss, I, I never forgot you situation for all of us millennials. Stop. Uh, Stop making me cry. It's so good. I love uh, it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's it's very sweet. Or if you're a Gen Z and you're confused. Just go watch it. It's. I wonder, is Blue's Clues, like old school Blue's Clues on Netflix or something? I don't know. You could probably binge it very quickly because, you know, episodes are for children, so they're really short. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember how long they are. I Maybe they were like 15 minutes yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like 20 minutes or yeah. something. I don't know. I don't know. But if you decide you don't want to do that, that's fine. Instead, maybe go to our Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist. Go to the link in our bio and you can click on that and then click on a link to our bingo card that you can play while you listen. I will say this episode might not have as many uh, bingo-ing things as uh, mine usually do. So I apologize mm. in advance, but mm. I'll do my best. Freemasons. Doesn't count. <laughs> if you want to argue about whether or not it counts or give us any other feedback about the podcast, you can email us. This podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com. The inbox has been pretty quiet. It has so been. So send some thoughts and feelings, topic ideas, random stuff that makes you Think about the pod. Hey, Christian, can you please send me all four of your ghost stories? Because apparently he has four distinct ghost stories. What? Haley, Christian's coming for the crown. Right? Jeez. You gotta you gotta come claim it. But yeah, if you want to be part of the mailbag episode, or if you don't want to, if you just want to tell us things, tell us things, you can do that. I'm fine with that. I just want to know all of your secrets. Wow. Ghosty secrets, not like that deep, dark real, secrets. Real personal, real quick. I mean, that too, if you need... If you need an outlet. If you need somebody to listen, we're here yeah. for you. Don't worry. We um, might not email back, but we'll definitely make sure that it gets read. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon is starting to respond to that. Well, no, because I was like, oh, that would be sad. But then I'm like, oh, but is there something nice about... Knowing that someone somewhere is acknowledging your existence, but they aren't asking for you to exert any energy back is also nice in a way. Yeah. Well, and they might not want, you know, anybody to answer them. It might just be like, you know, how you scream into the ether kind the of situation. Yeah. I am familiar. Yeah. We're besties. Yeah. Hey. You and the void are besties. Do I have to go fight the void? <laughs> I'd love to see it. It'd be so good. It's just it's just me throwing punches to the air. Okay, but so you provide me feedback sometimes on this very futon, and the void doesn't. The void does not sass me back the about my life choices, you. about my thoughts, feelings, or opinions. The void just accepts. <laughs> so. I guess I gotta go fight the void, you guys. I feel like the void might win, but I'm still going to try. The void might win.
the new album <laughs> Ooh. from what were their names i forget <laughs> wait I... anyway i'm not going to no it's on our instagram if you want to see the joke <laughs> what is happening all right emma what is going on was that on? the db cooper episode it was yeah the the coupettes the coupettes db and the coupettes <laughs> something like that something Haley, i'm so sorry yeah I will also say one last bit of housekeeping, yes. but if you are a meme lover and you are feeling inspired, we also accept submissions for Meme Monday. Yes. Uh, because mostly just because it makes us laugh and we want to share them with you. Uh, so if you'd want to be part of that, let us know. We really do enjoy it. Give us the content, please. All right. Today, my friend and my friend's we are going to talk about the disappearance of the Beaumont children. Do you know anything about this? No, but do you want to know what my brain did? Absolutely. Sarah Billman, this one's for you. Beaumont? Where the hell is Beaumont? What's that from? Footloose, the musical. (laughs) It's in the opening number. The red... The Kevin Bacon character, he's like dancing and grooving with all his cool Chicago friends. And he's like, I'm moving to Beaumont. And they, and the music like cuts out. It's like record scratch. And then everyone goes, Beaumont? Where the hell is Beaumont? Yeah. There were some really ugly wigs in that scene. But anyway, moving on. There are children. It, they've disappeared. It's sad, I'm assuming. It is. So. Why are you like this? I don't, I don't know. I know we took away your haunted doll privileges, but... uh, I don't know. Why? Why can't you just, like... The paintings were great that one time. It was so fun. (laughs) Nobody really got hurt. I'm aspiring to the high that I felt when I gave you that kind of joy. The look on her face when I told her, like, the entire story, the whole time. She was just broad smile. It was great. I really don't think that's true, that you're (laughs) aspiring to that. You've been going in the wrong direction, my friend. See, but what ends up happening is... Are my looks of joy and my tears of fear, do they look so similar that you get confused? No, but they give you the same feeling. don't like making you cry. I like making you cry with laughter, which I have made you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> she does not believe me. I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you were truly sorry, <laughs> I'd change the behavior. I've been to therapy and I might need therapy after this sad story of disappearing children. You might. So, here um, we go. So, on Wednesday, January 26th, 1966, which was also Australia Day, Jane, Arna, and Grant Beaumont, who were still on school vacation for the summer, because remember, this is Australia, so, so January is summer. Holiday. Ho- yes. Holiday. I'd like that to, was an Australian. I'd like to point out that you have a, I am delivering 
facts. I have a voice. voice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I'm chatting with my bestie, Emma. And then it was like, and now <laughs> I'm telling you the things. And now for the weather. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, remember that this is Australia, so it's summer in January. They decided that they wanted to go to Glenelg Beach in, in uh, Adelaide, South Australia. This was a trip that they had made many times before to beat the summer heat, and including the day before when their dad, Jim, had dropped them off at the beach on his way to uh, Snowton for a three-day sales trip, which wasn't also that far away, but it was far enough that he'd have to be there for three days. What's up? How old are these children? Jane, the oldest, at nine, was considered responsible enough to take care of Arna, seven, and Grant, four, during a day at the beach. It wasn't the first time that they had done this. Usually their mother Nancy would set them up with money for the five-minute bus ride if they didn't want to walk or ride their bikes, and for lunch at the beachside bakery. They would come home via the bus again or walk if it was cool enough. The beach was only three kilometers, so about 1.8 miles from their front door, Um, so it's not necessarily that far away, and it was really common. This is 1966. It's really common for kids to just go off on their own, you know, the neighborhood knows them. That's fair. You said their dad was going away on a three-day trip, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he dropped them off and just was like, see ya. Bye. <laughs> no, but it was like he dropped them off in the morning, they came back on the bus in the afternoon. They were never gone for the whole day. They were only ever gone for like three or four hours max because mm-hmm. their mom would wait for them at the bus stop that was next to their house mm-hmm. when they went on the bus. They also had a lot of friends in the neighborhood too. So like it wasn't as if the people surrounding didn't know who the kids were. Mm-hmm. And this was something that they did a lot. So the people who were like who owned some of the shops around the beach knew the kids when they like wandered around or walked in. They were familiar with their faces. Mm-hmm. So the kids decided the morning of the 26th that it was too hot to walk, so they were going to take the bus. Their mother gave them the money, um, and they walked to the bus stop to catch the bus in conflicting reports. One says 8.45, one says 10. But I thought their dad dropped them off. That was the day before. Oh, got it. So okay. he's, he's gone. Bye, Dad. Yeah, he's, he's off doing work. Um, so there are conflicting reports of what time they left, but the day, the date doesn't change. Mm-hmm. When the three siblings didn't arrive home on the 12 uh, p.m. bus, so the noon bus, Nancy got worried and waited for the next bus, hoping that they would be on it. But when the 2 o'clock bus came and went with no kids, Nancy started to panic. Again, there were conflicting reports of the time frame, like they were supposed to leave at, or supposed to return at 2, not at, uh, at noon, and then didn't. But again, regardless, same day. Jim arrived home early from his business trip at around 3, so he just decided, you know, it wasn't worth staying for three days, I'm just going to come home. And he came home at 3 to find Nancy freaking out. She's going insane. Jim immediately drove down to the beach to see if he could find the siblings. He couldn't find them, so the couple decided to ask their neighbors and search their streets to see if anyone had seen the kids or if they had stopped at a friend's house instead of coming home right away. Because that was the hope. They had just, like, on their way home, had been like, Hey, Bob! Hey! We should go and play! And, like, they hang out at their friend's house. 
Wait. Yeah, this, I'm just thinking of every time that I, like, went over, and, like, I was playing on the playground, and my mom was inside, and we lived in, like, an apartment complex, like, it was all yeah. military families yeah. and apartment buildings, but it would always be, like, we went over to someone else's apartment to, like, use the bathroom, Yeah, and then we, like, stayed, and I didn't call my mom, and she was, like, freaking out, and I just remember as a kid being, like, what's the big deal? Like, I was fine. I was just with my friend, like, blah, blah, blah. and now as an adult, I'm, like, you little pain in the mind. You, what? I was freaking out. I thought you died. Yeah. Al actually did that once to his mom, because where they lived um, when he was a kid, there was like a, it was like a media, it basically split the street, mm-hmm. um, but it split it so that it was like a little triangle of grass and like a tree and all that. And his best friend lived like catty corner to their house, mm-hmm. um, so like across the street and down a bit. Um, so you couldn't see necessarily the houses from each other. Um, but you could definitely, from both houses, you could see this little triangle of grass. And so they'd meet there and they'd play so that both of their moms could, like, keep an eye on them. But they're, like, fine. Mm-hmm. They're in the neighborhood. It's fine. And then they, it, like, went back to his best friend's house without telling his mom, mm-hmm. Al's mom. And she hadn't seen him leave. And so when she looked out the window again and he was gone, she was freaking out. And so she did a very similar thing of, like where is my kid? Gotta go find him. She had her other kids, like, in the house, too, so she was like, and eventually she calls, like, she's calling around the neighbors, and she finally calls uh, Al's best friend's house, and his mom picks up, and she's like, is Al there? And his mom's best friend is like, mom is like, did he not tell you that he was coming over here? And she was like, no, no, he didn't. She goes, give me a second. Puts the phone down, screams for him, and is like, get back up here. And he was like, what? What? What did I do? And she was like, you did not tell your mother that you were coming over here? And she, he was like, no, like, I didn't think I had to. And she was like, you go home right now. I'm going to be watching you from the porch. Your mother is going to take you home. You're not allowed back here unless you tell your mother that you're coming over. It was just like <laughs> full on mom. And I'm sure Al's going to be like, that's not how it happened, but that's how I've heard it every single time. So (laughs) in any case, back to the story. When no one in the neighborhood could tell them where the trio were, um, Jim and Nancy went to the Glen Elk Police Department to report their children missing. So the investigation started with the police swiftly putting together a search for the kids on the beach and the surrounding areas. And since they had been gone from that morning onward, the thought was that they had simply wandered off to a nearby shop or down to the edge of the beach and lost track of time. Like, they're they're really young kids. They figure, you know, they're just not paying attention. It was quickly established that the kids were not in the search area, and so it was expanded to the sand hills, nearby buildings, and the ocean. They were afraid that they had maybe, like, gone out into the water and drowned, even though there was so many people on the beach that would have seen it happen um and the water was really calm down there so the possibility is low but still had to check the police also made sure to monitor the airport train and roads out of Glen Elk because they were afraid of a possible kidnapping they could not find the siblings that day within a day Australia as a whole knew about the missing kids Newspapers were flooded with theories three days after the incident, and the Sunday Mail had a headline that read, quote, sex crime now feared, end quote. 
as people started to freak out that the kids had been abducted and murdered by a sex offender and buried within a mile of the beach, since you couldn't transport three kids without being seen. Even so, there was a small 250-pound reward, what would be $500 today in Australian dollars, offered by the government for evidence and information to lead to the kids. The public and the parents were appalled at the small amount and raised this enough to make the sum $10,000. You know, more incentive for people to come forward. On the day that the kids went missing, they were wearing swimsuits, sandals, and Jane had a blue-green shoulder bag that held all their towels. Their mom only gave them enough money for bus fare and lunch, six shillings and six pence, all coins. So... Sighting-wise, a lot of these are from the same day. There aren't very many that happen right after, which isn't promising, but let's get into it. Several witnesses came forward to say that they had seen the children at Collie Reserve, which was a grassy area near the beach. They had seen a man watching the kids play and then joining them, described as a tall man with fair to light brown hair, a thin face, mid-30s, Thin, athletic build, suntanned, and wearing swim trunks. Though I will say, in one of the reenactments I saw, they had him wearing a Speedo, and it was very uncomfortable. I think that was probably the intention of the costume department. They noticed that the kids seemed at ease with him, enjoying themselves as they all played. Remember that Jane is nine, so that even though she's the oldest and the younger two are taking her lead, she's still a small baby playing with a grown man who is not related to her. The man apparently approached one of the witnesses to ask if they had been near the kids' belongings as their money was, quote, missing. This, by police, is thought to be a way to kind of get the kids to be under his control. Because mm-hmm. if, he, if they don't have money to buy lunch or bus fare home, he'll be like, oh, I'll spot you. Or whatever. Oh, let me help you find out what happened to your money. Exactly. And so they start to trust him even more. Witnesses say that the man went off to change while the kids waited for him. There were, uh, like, beach changing rooms for for him to do that. And then all four of them walked away from the beach together. The police estimated that this was around 12.15 from witness reports. A shopkeeper at Wenzel's Bakery near the beach reported that Jane bought pasties and a meat pie that day with a one-pound note. The police noticed that this was odd, as the kids had been given coins only that day, and the shopkeeper, who knew the kids from previous visits, had never seen them buy a meat pie before. The note must have been given to them by someone else. Meat pie was too expensive for them to to buy, and usually it was just like, you know, a very simple sandwich lunch that they'd end up getting. The postman for the town knew the kids well and reported in an initial statement that he had seen them walking alone around 3 p.m. that day away from the beach in the general direction of their home, all holding hands and laughing. He called the police two days later to change this, to say that he believes that he saw them in the morning rather than in the afternoon, as he first said. Which is weird. I get it, though, if, like, you're reading these reports of, like, these kids are missing and you know their faces... How many times have you seen them right. wandering? Especially if you see them, like, every day. Exactly. You're like, so, oh, wait, when did I see... Yeah. Exactly. So, like, your brain is probably trying to go through all of the instances 
of like, did I see them on that day? And your brain will fill in to be like, yeah, you've seen them on this road all the time. And it just fills in the, Mm -hmm. the image, even though it might not be true. A resident named Daphne Gregory reportedly saw the children at 3 p.m. on the day that they disappeared with a man who was carrying a similar bag to the one Jane always carried the towels in over his shoulder. So that green, blue messenger bag. They call it an airline bag. I think it was, like, pretty popular at the time of, like, the pan- what the Pan Am girls, mm-hmm. the Pan Am flight attendants always had. And Jane liked it. It was, like, her, it was her bag. Several months after the disappearance, a woman came forward to say that a man with two young girls and a boy had entered a house near her that she thought was empty, and later she saw the young boy walking alone down the street before he was roughly caught by the man. The next morning, the house was deserted, and she saw none of them again. The police could not establish why she hadn't alerted the authorities earlier, because she was living in the area, mm-hmm. and she saw this, and this was several months after. Mm. And they were like, uh, meh. Ma'am. But that doesn't go any further. A woman told police that she had spoken with three kids, similar to the description given by reports of the missing Beaumonts, at about 7 p.m. on January 26th near the Padawalonga Boat Haven, which is kind of a little port inlet. You just, like, dock your boat there. Mm. On the 29th, the police drained the haven and searched the area, but they found nothing. But that sound you made... I, my, giving me Florida vibes. Yeah, the thought. Louisiana. The thought for me is that what if the because they were like, well, the man must have had a car or something in order to get them out of there quickly. What if he had a boat? Mm-hmm. Or like it's a little dinghy sort of boat that takes them out to a bigger boat. Yeah, something like it. it you don't there. There's many other ways to a water plane. Oh my god, I feel like that would have been noticeable. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I've never lived in a beach town before. Me neither. The Beaumonts felt it was weird to have their kids, who were shy, play so confidently with a stranger, so they must have known him from previous visits and grown to trust him. So basically, the thought is that he groomed them. Mm Mm-hmm. Nancy remembers, before they disappeared, that Arna told her mother that, quote, Jane got a boyfriend down at the beach, end quote. Nancy assumed it was a playmate and didn't think much of it at the time, but after the disappearance, obviously thought a lot. Which is just so sad. Because you know how, like, little kids will be, like, they grow attached to a person and they're like, you're my boyfriend, you're my girlfriend, but it's because they're, like, we're we're friends and, like, you're the person I want to hang out with all the time. Like, it's not a romantic thing Mm because kids don't think that way so for arna to be like you know jane has a boyfriend and your your mom is thinking yeah you've got another friend you've got another playmate shout out to my my friend ben from like (laughs) pre-k that our teachers were like oh you little love birds which like don't do that that's weird it's gross when they're children so on november 8th 1966 the same year that the kids had gone missing Gerard Coisset, a parapsychologist and a psychic from the Netherlands, <laughs> was brought onto the case and went to Australia to search for the children psychically. Media went insane for this. There are no psychics in Australia? I, I guess not. <laughs> I'm not sure why him specifically. 
Maybe he was like a famous like Sherlock Holmes sort I of think, thing, but for psychics. I think he was. As the search continued, his story of where they were changed from day to day and no clues popped up. He did say that there was a warehouse near the children's home and primary school that Jane and Arna attended where he believed the bodies to be buried because he believed that they were dead. Mm. When they disappeared, the site was under construction mm. and he said that he believed their bodies to be under the newly poured concrete inside the remains of an old brick kiln, which... I'm not sure why that specifically, but... I mean, caveat, people should not murder people. Yes. However, if you were trying to dispose of a body, that feels like a good place to do it. Yep. I've watched Bones. I've watched so many crime shows that do that. Absolutely. So the property owners who had just built the warehouse, like it was under construction... And they had just finished building this Spider-Man warehouse. insurance, my friend. Yeah, they really didn't want to excavate based on a psychic's thoughts. Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> but the public raised um, $40,000 in order to have the building demolished to search. I mean, if they're <laughs> reimbursing you. Right? Uh, demolition can't cost that much, right? It doesn't. Like, you get a machine and you only need, like, one afternoon to knock everything down. Yeah, it's building back up. It's going to take forever. Oh, and man. it's a warehouse, too, so it's it's big. I mean, at least it doesn't have a ton of interior, interior structure, walls, yeah. maybe. Uh, no remains were found. Oh, no. In 1996, when the building was undergoing partial demolition, the owners allowed for a full search of the site, and once again, there was no trace of the three kids. So the psychic was not right. He was, he was, I don't he know. was a fake? He a was what? Or just very bad at guessing. Like, I feel like there's a part of being a psychic that it's like, some of them are educated guesses, and some of them are like, I feel it, I know it, and, but like, not all of them can be that, mm-hmm. and maybe he was just like, this is such a big case, maybe if I just like, try and feel it. Like, where would I, where, where would, would I, I put, put a body? body? Yeah. Over here. Exactly. So two years after the Beaumont children disappeared, Jim and Nancy received two letters, supposedly written by Jane and another letter by a man who was apparently keeping them. The Watcher. No, kidding. (laughs) The envelopes had a postmark from Dandenong, Victoria, a suburb of Melbourne. The notes are brief and outline a very basic and fairly nice captivity by, quote, the man which is what Jane calls him in the letter. Police compared the letters to other things written by Jane and thought it likely that it really was her. (gasps) The letter from the man said that he was willing to hand them back to their parents and extended extended a meeting place in the letter. What did he want, though? He just wanted to give them back the kids. What? That's clearly a lie. The ecstatic and hopeful parents were followed by a detective to the designated meeting site, but no one arrived. Yeah, I could have told you that. They received a letter sometime later from the man that said that he saw the disguised detective and that he would keep the children for the Beaumont's betrayal of his trust. Homie, you stole their kids. You don't get to talk about trust. Right? But uh, I feel like the answer is probably no, because you probably would have said it already. 
But in his first letter, did he give any indication of like, I felt that these children were not being cared for. You just let them go to the beach alone. So it was my duty to watch over them. No explanation. No anything. From what I found, because I couldn't find any transcripts of the letters. And if, if you if you know of where the, those transcripts are, please let me know. Because I, gen- I looked. Not not you, the listeners. No, I know. Yeah. I'm looking at them. I'm like, Emma, they don't even send us emails, let alone <laughs> do our research for us. But sure, if you if you wrote a re, uh, research paper and you got some sources, JSTOR links you need to share, send them on over. Please. Oh, I love JSTOR links. Memes, JSTOR, ghost stories. Yeah. We'll take it all. So no, I couldn't find anything that lined out what I wanted to like I just want to get a vibe like what kind of mentally unstable terrible person is this we don't get to know we don't because there were no further letters from beyond that point in 1992 the letters were proven to be a hoax through forensic examinations and new fingerprinting technology oh so an author was found through fingerprints who was a 41-year-old man who had been a teen at the time and wrote the letters as a joke. Sir. An absolute sick joke. Like, dude, that is not... You. It's an awful, awful thing. Don't deserve friends. And obviously you're mentally unstable. Please go take care of that. I hope every cookie you think is a chocolate chip is actually oatmeal raisin. Ooh, 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 that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. And that you stub your toe every night when you get up to go brush your teeth or whatever. And when you go to pee, night. yeah, when you pee in the middle of the night, stub your toe. And then miss. In the toilet. <laughs> miss the toilet. Yeah, I, I got it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> You're like, no, because someone else will probably have to clean that yeah. up. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Bad juju on that guy. Yeah, seriously. The man wasn't charged with any offense because it had been so long, which makes me, I think that makes me more angry than anything else is because you found somebody who was willing to play an awful sick joke on grieving parents and basically get away with it. Hello, bus driver. I need you to take a detour with me real quick. Okay. Do I need to buckle in for this? No, but let's have a philosophical conversation. Ooh. What is the reasoning for a statute of limitations? Uh, that is a great I question. I feel like I'm trying to rack my brain for what is a crime that I feel that, oh, a lot of time has passed and maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, even if the, the effects of your crime have decreased or become less, <laughs> I can't think of the word. You know what I mean? Like, just because they aren't actively harming people, you still harmed people at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hi, we can't erase student loans, but we can say, oh, well, you sexually assaulted someone 10 years ago, so it doesn't matter anymore. The statute of limitations is up on that. I'm sorry, what? 
No, it's that's a, just that's just saying. Oh, if you're good enough to not get caught for that long, then you're you can get away with it. It's like people who base who get out of prison early for being like for good behavior. Like that to me doesn't make any sense because you had a sentence that usually there's a mandated minimum uh-huh. for sentences mm-hmm. that you had a sentence that you are required to fulfill for somebody to then say, oh, you know what, murderer. You're getting out on good behavior. What kind of good behavior in prison? Uh-huh. In a controlled environment. Yes. Is is that? Like, is it that he, oh, he swept up the, the uh, kitchen without being asked. He did not hurt anyone yeah, else. Yeah, he didn't talk back to the guard when he said, can you please go get that thing for me? I don't know. Oh, I've Emma. never been in prison. But, Emma, our world is a safer place. Because all the people who have ever sold weed mm. and gotten caught are behind bars. Hi. Decriminalize? Thank you. Thanks. And keep murderers, I don't know, behind in jail. bars. My gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, please, legitimate question. I know we tell you guys to email in a lot of things or DM us. You have a lot of homework. I want, we get it. I want all of that. But I am genuinely curious from a... An intellectual standpoint, if, if, please send me a crime that you feel like a statute of limitations is, like, valid. I would love to know. The only variation of that I can think of is for, like, juvenile offenses. It's like, you were 13 and you were in a pack of kids and you... Robbed a store. Something like that. But, you know what I mean? That's the only time because genuinely your brain is not done developing until you're 25. Yeah. And it's all downhill from there. Sorry, guys. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, you are you are not a real person yet yeah. when you're for like 14. So I feel like that's valid. But for adult humans, I... I know. It really... It is a great question. And it is one that is supremely frustrating to think about. Yes. I just, or just like text me, message me, DM us. If you don't want it read on the podcast, that's fine. But please just like reach out. I want to have this conversation with people. Yeah. And I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the person that I should ask is probably Chris, Al's brother. Because um. he, I mean, not that he's a criminal lawyer, but like he, he knows law. So like, I feel like he would be able to. Tell us a little bit more about it and be like, this, like, I un- I, I don't know if I un- even understand the reasons why they're in place. Like, people statutes of limitation. People don't want to hang on to paperwork. If you like, I, if we've learned if you like true crime, you know that police, they're like, oh, we don't have enough storage. We had a warehouse, but then we had to tear it down. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, this shouldn't make making jokes. But they didn't find bodies in the warehouse, so I no, can't they make, didn't, they I didn't. Can't make can, jokes can, about it. Can. Uh, uh, okay, so that guy that sent fake letters is awful. And I don't understand, too, why he's not a suspect. Yeah. It, maybe because he was a teenager and the and description the was, description. like, a man. Yeah, but... Like a grown man. As, as we learned in my episode on the Mandala Effect, uh, your brain warps your perception after you view something. So, like... You can, like, change your own memory. Your memory is completely fallible. Mm-hmm. What are you laughing at? 
Because isn't it the Mandela effect? Damn it! <laughs> you said the Mandela. <laughs> it's part of the effect. You can't remember what it's called. But you know what I did in my brain? <laughs> I did the, it's not that, it's this. Because the last time I said I that. I was wrong. <laughs> no, honey, I'm sorry. Still wrong. Hate survey says. Still wrong. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. <laughs> this podcast doesn't exist, Colin. Still, Still wrong. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> so put it on the merch for the bingo card. Amen. That was a merch. There we go. There we go. Yeah, no. Say true. It. True. So let's look at the suspects. Okay. So the police have a description of the main suspect, obviously, and sightings, but no real leads. So it kind of like every average-looking white guy, basically. In town. Um, the list of this suspects that I'm going to give you is composed of the ones I thought were the most plausible. I know that there are others. There are plenty others. But this is our podcast, so shh. Oh, she told you. In the early 70s, James Ryan O'Neill told a Kimberly station owner and several other acquaintances that he was responsible for the Beaumont children's disappearance. He was later imprisoned for life in 1975 for killing a nine-year-old boy in Tasmania. Oh, no. In 2006, O'Neill tried to stop the broadcast of a documentary called The Fisherman that was trying to link him to the Beaumont case, but failed, and it aired on October 26th of that year. Did he want it stopped because it, it made him look bad, or yeah. because it made him look bad at crime because they couldn't prove it was him? No, that it made him look bad. Oh, well, honey, well, maybe you shouldn't go around saying pe- that you did it. And then... <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gordon Davey, a former detective from Victoria, spent three years speaking to O'Neill to win him over before filming him for this documentary. Oh, like Mindhunter. Yeah. So this is a quote from our mother source. Wikipedia. Davy said that although there was no evidence to link O'Neill to the disappearance, he was persuaded that O'Neill was to blame. Quote, I asked him about the Beaumonts and he said, I couldn't have done it. I was in Melbourne at the time. That is not a denial, I said. Later asked again if he had murdered the children, he replied, look, on legal advice, I am not going to say where I was or when I was there. End quote. Uh, But I feel like... I feel like jailhouse confessions shouldn't be taken with, like, a whole bucket of salt. Because at that point, they're already in, and they're trying to bargain for privileges or good behavior. So they're going to say whatever. Yeah. You know? Also, there's no real evidence, like, even, like, circumstantial evidence to put O'Neill near the scene. Does he match the description? Minorly. So he's a white dude that's He's a white dude tall. with, like, kind of tall hair. Or tall hair. <laughs> he has a mohawk. <laughs> he's got a mohawk. Um, he, he, he's only 5'6", but with the hair, he's 6'1". <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. But, sorry, guys. I just got to make inappropriate jokes about murderers. Yep. All right. That's totally fine. But they they haven't, yeah, they haven't found anything to really link him. Um, So he's just being... They think that he's doing exactly what you said, of, like, trying, bargaining chips, basically. And I think him trying to 
stop that documentary from being shown was doing just that. That mm-hmm. he was like, oh, well, you can't show it. It shows me in a bad light. And, like, trying to be like, well, I, I did it, but I'm not going to tell you guys I did it. All that kind of thing. Mm. So. Local Glen Elk factory owner Harry Phipps, who died in 2004, came under suspicion after a book called The Satin Man, Uncovering the Mystery of the Missing Beaumont Children, was published in 2013. I could not get any clarification as to why he was called The Satin Man without reading the book. And the book, my friends, I don't have. So I'm sorry. What? I know. I feel like these all these titles sound like, like a ton of French series of books. The Fisherman, The Satin Man. Right? It sounds like those uh, Penny Detective novels. Yeah, The Man Who Came to Town. Exactly. The book did not name the man, but Phipps's estranged son identified him as the Satin Man and the possible murderer. Oh. So Phipps looked a hell of a lot like the police sketch of the man seen with the children on the beach. He was also wealthy and was known to give out one-pound notes to kids and was later alleged to have pedophile tendencies. He lived 300 meters from Glen Elk Beach, which is really not that far. I'm doing my best impersonation of the eyeball emoji. Yeah. Phipps's son Hayden was 15 at the time of the incident and came forward to researchers in the 2000s to claim that he had seen the kids in his father's yard that day. The guess is that he had been too scared to come forward as a 15-year-old when it happened. Mm -hmm. Two other men, who had been teens at the time of the disappearances, claimed that they had been paid by Phipps to dig a two-by-one-by-two-meter hole in his factory yard that same weekend, and they didn't know why they needed to dig it. Mm. But they were getting paid, so they did it. Mm. In November 2013, the factory that was once owned by Phipps had a one-meter squared-off section that was excavated by investigators. Ground-penetrating radar found, quote, one small anomaly, which can indicate movement or objects within the soil, end quote. Nothing was found, but on January 22nd, 2018, detectives announced that they would do more excavation on the site, sponsored by Channel 7 Adelaide. The excavation in February took nine hours and found only animal bones and general trash. Nothing that could have been related to the kids was found. But I would like to say that things can be moved. So it might have been that maybe he knew that someone had seen him or he had too many witnesses and could have moved the bodies. Shannon looks absolutely irate. Are you okay? I'm so bad. I'm so sorry. Uh, I really am sorry. This one is really I feel like tough. an angry crazy. Because <laughs> you're kind of squishing up your face. Yeah. <laughs> Just, mm. I, uh. Like if this were a, a totally fictional book or, or a TV show, m- movie, this would, this would be really satisfying as an audience member not yet but like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you the feeling of like of you know oh okay we have a lead yes it looks good oh and this thing. and then it's nothing but then it's gonna lead to some payoff but because it's real life and because this is our podcast there isn't gonna be any payoff so i'm just gonna be an angry crazy <laughs> angry crazy <laughs> i feel like you know what i feel like right now what one of them 
the old man Muppets in the opera box. Dude, that's who we are! I mean, that's my cousin Marlene and I. That's what we call ourselves when we go to family gatherings because we're both just liberal and we just so we just sit off on the side with our little wine and we're like... So she'll send me... Like, she got a Facebook ad or maybe one of us got a Facebook ad for like a collectible figurine set like a stuffed animal sort of thing where it was like I don't know how big it was maybe like two feet across an opera box with the Muppets that you could like buy for like $500 or something I, oh my gosh and we put it in the group chat like can we just can we get it 250 <laughs> for ourselves 250 split every Christmas we'll change custody yes <laughs> I really like that but yeah either that or we're Beaker and the professor because you've got glasses and I make noises This podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> she has glasses. She makes noises. <laughs> what about the merch? <laughs> uh, yeah, you are chaotic, though. I am. You are. I apologize. Tag yourselves. What Muppets are you? What Muppets are us? Make a meme about it. Please submit it. Thank you. Goodbye. Also, Zodiac signs of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, nobody sent it to us. Dude, I think I might be Tigger. Yeah. That makes sense. Bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. She's not having fun. Let's continue. No, I just was like, I don't know any Eeyore catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> it's more a general vibe. Than a, That's fair. And a quotable. So, the next up is Arthur Stanley Brown, who's one of the most liked suspects for the Beaumont children's abduction, but mostly just based on appearance and future actions. He looked very like the police sketch, but there was no connection to be found no matter how hard they searched to link him with anything other than suspicion on the kidnappings. Mm. No employment records could be found to show his movement, but that may have been due to the 1974 Brisbane flood that effectively destroyed a lot of city records, which is just annoying because that wasn't even something that they were like planning for. Not that you plan for a flood, but you know what I mean, where it's like, Can you pack stuff. dear beep boop boop, calling on the phone, hey, anybody that's an engineer or chemist or some science people, hi, hello science people that are in school, I need a final project. Do you want to have a project that'll get you an A and also change the world? Let's develop some Tupperware containers, some Rubbermaid boxes for police that are fireproof and waterproof and protect evidence. Yeah. If we continue to put things in, yes, acid-free, fine. We can definitely do that. But if we keep putting them in acid-free paper boxes, things are going to get destroyed and lost. Also, if we want to put, you know that one kid, I feel like it goes around on social media ever so often, but there's a kid who is using 3D printing to make a gun that is fingerprint, like the safety is a fingerprint. So then only the registered gun owner can use the gun. (gasps) Okay, can we do that with these boxes? So it's like you have to put your fingerprint in to open it so that sketchy cops can't be losing evidence. 
I like that. Because you know it happens. See, this is the future that I look forward to. Not the hover car-like situation. Not the we're all in space situation. Not the Big Mac daddies. I, that's further in the future. The Big Mac daddies on tour are further in the future. But I, like in the more near future, I am very excited for the idea of just like police things competent, getting better. Competent policing. Competent policing. I'm, what a concept. I'm very hopeful. I have a dream, Emma. I have a dream of time. Oh, never mind. Who's <laughs> that? I'm like, what is that? I dreamed a dream is what I'm No, see, my brain was Mamma Mia. That's what it was. I was like, I, I have, have a dream. dream. And I was like, what is that from? It's from Mamma Mia. Mia. Oh. <laughs> the Italian version. All right. Tell me about... Arthur Stanley Tucci Baducci. Arthur <laughs> Stanley Brown. You were very close. Thank you. <laughs> um, Stucci Baducci. He was charged in 1998 with the murders of sisters Judith and Susan no. McKay in Queensland from August 26, 1970. He was also identified as the man who abducted two girls during a football match at an Adelaide Oval, at the Adelaide Oval in 1973. It's a stadium. One person has identified him as as that man. He has not been confirmed to be the kidnapper. So tell me, he's still in prison. Uh, he's dead. Okay, great. He was 53 at the time of the Beaumont disappearance, so he doesn't fit the description in that regard. But he had a very thin face, and he looked... He had he basically looked very young. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, saying someone's in their 30s doesn't really mean much to me. No. Because, one, I'm just bad at aging humans. Me too. But two... A good skincare routine goes a long way, my friends. Yep. Wear... Wear sunscreen. And moisturize. Thank you. Yeah. But he died at 90 in 2002. Um, Bye. He was out of prison at that point. What? He has a very interesting life. So he married a woman who had kids already, um, and she died mysteriously, and then he married her sister. And uh, then when he died in 2002, he put in his, like, death wishes that no one should know where he's, like, when he dies and, like, when his funeral is. Yeah, because you have no friends because you're a child murderer? Basically. And potentially a wife murderer? Yeah. So he's already a weird character, but I think that's the main reason why they, because he's in, he wasn't necessarily in the area at the time, but he's definitely fitting the description of the type of person. He fits the profile, basically. Mm-hmm. Um... And since there weren't a lot of suspects that fit the profile who were living in the area, mm-hmm. which wouldn't necessarily be in the kidnapper's best interest anyway to kidnap kids from the area you live in. But, like, you know, that, that's the main reason why they, they suspect him. Mm. Um, but he's, he's luckily gone now. And this last man is absolutely disgusting, and I am so, so sorry. And it I gets will, worse? Yes. I will go very quick. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry, but... <sighs> Alright, I'm gonna go. Bevan Spencer von Einem was given life imprisonment for killing Richard Kelvin, a 15-year-old. 
No accomplices were ever charged, but it was suspected that he hadn't worked alone and was probably guilty of more than this one murder. Around the same time, Von Einem became suspected of the Beaumont children's disappearance. He looked a little like the sketches, but it's more so to do with an informant. So during their investigation into Von Einem, the informant, only known as Mr. B, came forward alleging he had a conversation where Von Einem proudly told him that he had taken three children from the beach and taken them home to do experiments on them. I'm not going to get into the experiments. He basically says that he did surgery on them. One of them passed during the procedure, and then he ended up killing the other two so that he didn't have to deal with them and dumped their bodies in South Adelaide. Absolutely revolting person. Mr. B was considered a reliable source by the police detective Bob O'Brien, as he had been gi- had given police important information on the case that put Von Einem behind bars. But the alleged confession was met with mixed thoughts. Even still, Von Einem has never been ruled out as a suspect. He was often at Glen Elk Beach, was reportedly preoccupied with children, and perved on people in the changing rooms. He was younger than the reported stranger with the kids, so he was about 20 or 21, whereas the suspect was said to be mid-late 30s, but again, as we just discussed, age is a hard thing to determine for certain people. Sometimes people look older than they are, sometimes people look younger. I went to school with a kid who genuinely looked 40 when he was 17. (laughs) And he fully, he like fully admitted it. He was like, yeah, I know, I have an old face. And this is from, again, our mother source. Another important distinction is that Von Einem was convicted of murdering a 15-year-old boy and suspected of killing males in their teens and 20s, victims older than the Beaumont children and the children who were abducted from the Adelaide Oval. Such disparities against victims of the serial killer are not unheard of, but are unusual. Mm -hmm. So serial killers usually do have, I know, it's not necessarily like a Ted, when Ted Bundy has a type, it's like, you know, this long brown hair and, you know, pale skin kind of thing. It's more of like an age demographic and, you know, they're, they're, you know, certain type, a certain look to them or their certain sexual orientation or things like that. So it's not unusual, but it really is uncommon for someone who does serial murders to switch up their game because mm-hmm. they have a predisposition to something that perversely gives them pleasure and it is very mm-hmm. specific. Well, and it also, if it was like, oh, that's not, it doesn't fit his profile, but like maybe he was still like honing in on his profile. You wouldn't abduct three children to like try it out for yeah. Like, to put it in a not great way. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, you wouldn't... This wouldn't be your first thing. Yeah. I Like, well, when you were talking... One of the previous people that you were talking about where he was convicted of two, but that was in, like, 19, Arthur. Um, yeah. 1970, because I was going to say, oh, if that had been beforehand, this could have been, like, an escalation of, like, oh, well, I'm such a great, macho, terrible guy that I can handle three defenseless blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's not... I mean, have you, as, like, a normal person, like, tried to wrangle three children all at once? Because I've tried to wrangle two, and it's impossible. Yeah. My niece and nephew, they're wonderful kids, but they are very much, like, at the stage of life where it's everything is interesting. Mm-hmm. So they're just super curious about stuff. And so it's like, what's that? What's that? And they run off in separate directions. Ah. And it's just, like, impossible to keep them focused. Yeah. So. 
I can't imagine, especially kids you don't know. I mean, maybe it's like an authority thing of like, well, I don't know you and I know I'm supposed to be good to like, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, friends, stuff like that. But even still, like, it's weird. And the fact that he groomed them, mm-hmm. basically, to get them to trust him in order to do to essentially make them disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just, it doesn't, it that part to me doesn't fit Von Einem purely because of the ways that he, you know, did his stuff. Mm-hmm. But in any case, that is the end of the suspects list. Mm. So there is another related case, and I've mentioned it a couple times before already. So it often gets linked to this one, as the police sketches for the suspects are very similar, and so is the age range, and they happen fairly close to each other. So in 1973, Joanne Ratcliffe, 11, and Kirsty Gordon, 4, vanished from the Adelaide Oval Stadium during a football match. The parents let the girls leave the group to go to the bathroom, which was outside of the Oval. Um, And apparently they were seen distressed and in the company of an unknown man within the span of 90 minutes after they left the group. But then they vanished. They're presumed dead. I think just based on the fact that they, I mean, I think the Beaumont children are also presumed dead because they haven't had any, Mm -hmm. you know, further links to them. But the fact that the suspects are so similar in face and they're both in Adelaide, or at least near Adelaide, Glen Elg is really close to Adelaide. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is quite possibly the same man. So if one of them gets solved, that might mean that the other does too which is the hope that this does get solved. So the parents, the Beaumonts, um, obviously lost not one, but all three of their children in one day. They remained in the home in Somerton Park where their kids grew up, hoping that they would return. Nancy didn't want her kids to come home and not find their parents there. She was, like, really... Obviously, both both parents were busted up by this. This is not something you get over. They followed every lead and every theory and cooperated fully in every possibility. When the papers published computer-generated photos of age progressions of the kids in 1990, the parents were absolutely devastated and received a lot of sympathy from their community for the pain of looking at their children's faces grown and not being able to know them, Mm -hmm. which is so sad. Jim and Nancy later divorced and lived separately, selling their home. Nancy Beaumont died in Adelaide in 2019 at 92 years old. And Jim, now in his 90s, still lives in Adelaide. And I also wanted to make the note that Jane, the oldest, she was the same age as my dad. She was born the same year that my dad was. So I don't know if my dad knows anything. I didn't ask him if he knew anything about this case. Probably not. He's an American kid. He was nine. Why would he know anything about this? But it just puts it in perspective of like Nancy, or not Nancy, Jane would be turning 65 this year. Like my dad. Whose birthday's in two weeks? Happy birthday, Dad. All right, so there aren't a lot of theories to this, because I think we've kind of already discussed them within talking mm-hmm. about the suspects. But the theories are that they were kidnapped by the man who they were seen with on the beach. What he did with them is another question. You know, maybe he brought them overseas and, you know, adopted them out or 
The hope is that they're still alive and just don't really know who they are. A little bit like the Sodder children mm-hmm. thoughts and theories. The other possibility, of course, is that they are no longer with us. A lot of the investigation surrounding it in the in the years following, there were obviously hopeful articles that were like, well, maybe it was this and this and this. And then there were articles that were saying it most de- they most definitely are not alive anymore. Like they died that day in 1966 and mm. no, they're never coming back kind of thing. But again, with very similar theories to the Sodder children case, like we don't know because we don't, we don't have their, we haven't, we don't even have any evidence of them. Like there's, mm-hmm. we, no one has the bag. No one has anything past that day of seeing them. So there isn't anything concrete, even with the suspects. So, and what's also frustrating is that this happened long enough ago that a lot of the people who were involved are now gone. But there was a Australian, like, Case Files episode. I forget what it's called. I'll look, it's going to be in the show notes, you guys. You can watch it. It's on YouTube. And they cover this case along with another beach case. Um, So much in beach? No. (laughs) No. But a very, like, unfortunately another murder. But in any case, they they cover it and they actually do a really good job. And they they talk to Nancy. And she's very, she's very sweet. What's up? (laughs) I just am sitting here being like, all right, what's Emma's MO? Haunted creepy dolls. And people who either cannot be identified or cannot be found because I'm like okay over here on this side cannot be identified you got the Somerton man you got the Isdal woman and then over on the other side you've got all these missing children you got Mar- the Mara in the woods in New Hampshire like I'm s- apparently I have a I have a, a niche theme. well part of me wants to be like why is your brain like that but then I feel like you could do the same thing to be like it's a mountain Shannon <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> As she points to all of her books about Everest. <laughs> Not to be confused with all of my books about the Titanic. Uh, I guess, because, all right, so if that's your niche, my, ni- my niche is weird, like historical mysteries and then the, the foolhardiness of man. I think sums up the Titanic and Mount Everest, like chef's kiss. Absolutely. Right? Like, cause yeah, it's a mountain. Okay. Like, yeah, it's a big boat. Okay. But, but people came and messed it up by being like, I am bigger than this thing. So instead of team spooky and team heck no, we need team missing Missing slash haunted slash unidentified and team foolhardiness of man. (laughs) You'll see why that merch is on the cutting room floor (laughs) because team spooky and team heck no rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah. But it's so true. But Uh, I guess that's why... That's why we're able to do this. It would be boring if we both were obsessed with all of the same things to the same level. Because then we'd be like, no, I wanted to do that topic. Meanwhile, instead, I, you I, were, yeah. instead you were like, I shan't do the Hope Diamond because Shannon will want to. And then I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that we're able to identify each other's niche enough to the point where 
you know what? This one, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not mine. Although, all right, dear listeners. If, if, if you decide dear to listeners, write us. Dear listeners, if you decide. If not, it'll just be Haley and Ruth in the, in the group chat. Uh, do you think we should make it a rule where, like, once, I don't know, I don't know if we want to do, like, one a month or, like, one out of every ten episodes, we have to try and do the switcheroo? Ooh, I like that. I Like, I loved when you tried to do the stair. not tried to do, when you did do the stairs, but that was also the same day that I did oh, the... Oh, the stairs. <laughs> I thought... Oh, you, you mean were, last week's? Yeah, I thought you were say, trying to say when you tried to do a scary episode. No, no, no. I was like, oh, I tried. No, no, you did very well. But yeah, that's true. I did try and yeah, do you spooky. Did, you did, but, you and we did. didn't even, that guys, that was on accident. That we, was by accident. We had no idea that it was flip the script day. And we, we were recording not in, in the studio. It yeah. was a weird time. It was a very weird day. But we were like somehow, like we were recording on a, a like a two wavelength. a day on a wavelength. And we were like, I'm going to do the other person's niche and just do something fun. Well, then that means you you should do one soon because I just tried. To, I did a cryptid corner. You're right. I should. I will I will say for my next one, I'll do a, a Shannon-esque episode. Shannon-inspired. It's going like, to be like, someone tried to climb the Eiffel Tower or walk across the Niagara Falls thing and then they disappeared and were never seen again. And I'll be like, Emma, that's still a disappearance. <laughs> and you're like, dang it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you think that would be fun or if you think we should just stay in our lane, like, let us know. We're probably just going to do whatever we want, but I like hearing your thoughts. Yeah, people, me too. Friends, countrymen. <laughs> Friends, robots, countrymen. And, and, and non-countrymen. And um, a broadsman. A broadsman? <laughs> and just a really broad man. <laughs> broad men and broads abroad. Whoever you may be. Please, write in. Talk to us, please. That was very good. I like that. Because as much as I love the void, I'm not speaking to the void right now. I'm, I think of you all as being... There. Yeah. I mean, we we genuinely will look at and gesture at the microphone. We do. So, we need y'all to know that we we think of you all when you're when you're not even here. You're haunting us while we're alive. You want to know what my brain decided would be funny? If we ever, we love going to Goodwill, you guys. Yes, we do. Emma likes finding spooky things and asking if we can buy it for the studio, and I say absolutely not. We are not getting this creepy clown figurine. No. But if we are ever at Goodwill and we come across like a battered old uh, version of that game Guess Who with the little (gasps) flap ups, we get that. But then we print out pictures of people that we know listen to the podcast. And then we just put it here so that their little faces are here. I'm into that. I love it. So if you're a regular. Send us your headshot. If you're a regular, send us your headshot. A cute little goofy photo if you'd like. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a blurry photo from Facebook that's very, very unflattering. Very old. And I will find a very unflattering photo on purpose. Wow. All right. Well. So get them looking nice, Tom King. (laughs) Christian. Uh, All of the peeps. Sorry, I just needed... I hadn't said his name in a while. You're like, uh, you're like the unofficial bingo card. The unofficial cryptid. Tom King. 
Uh, I told him that. I texted him the other day. You called him a cryptid? No. <laughs> I was like, out of the blue, you're just like, hey. Sub cryptid. No. <laughs> no, so what I Crip did is. King. Crypt King. Oh, oh. Oh my gosh, is that just last name? It's Crypt King. Didn't even do that on purpose. I'm a genius. Uh, this is why I'm in marketing, you guys. Yeah, you are a genius. It's just foolishness all the time. I love it. No, so I texted him and I asked him because I, like, he hasn't, you haven't ever emailed us. And so I asked him, I was like, what is something you'd want to hear about on the pod? Because you're like, other than your, unofficially our mascot. Other than your counterpart, Chief Archaeologist. Chief Archaeologist Tom King. Which I want to find a picture of that man. <laughs> Just to, like, have it in my brain. I'm going to Google while you talk. Thanks, man. And... I was like, you're unofficially our uh, our mascot, basically, because we just say your name so many times. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick Miller. We have a Funko Pop of Nick Miller who sits around, but I don't remember what exactly, what ex- how exactly it came up. But I was like, yeah, you're like a, you're like our cryptid. <laughs> they don't know what you look like. <laughs> no one's ever seen you. <laughs> but now you're Crypt King, and I love it. And you'd better embrace it because it's not going to stop. All right. Apparently, there's a. A Tom King that's a Batman comic book writer. <laughs> but I'm going to type in Chief, Chief Archaeologist Tom, Tom King. King. <laughs> yep. Not what you expected? No, exactly what I expected. Oh, <laughs> I trust this man to Me find too. Amelia Earhart. Absolutely I do. Great. Absolutely I trust that man. Well, here's the thing. Hold on. Oh. There are multiple men that popped up. But they all look like variations on the same. Like, come on, excuse me. <laughs> like, these are all different people. But are they, they could all be the same. Are they different people? I think so. None of them look like you, Tom. No. Not a single one. No. None of them are our cryptid. Tom, our Crypt King. Crypt King, Tom King. I love it. All right, you guys. Uh, <laughs> Is there anything else? Nope, absolutely nothing. All right, great. We had to bring some, some levity. levity. But you know what else has levity, Emma? Mm. The shortcakes we made before this podcast. So I forgot. We, guys, yet again, we have cake. So until next time, remember. This podcast doesn't exist. Cake.